Tapping the Keg Daily is live for Wednesday. It is a special edition. It is January 24th. We're talking about the firing of Adrian Griffin, the hiring of Doc Rivers, I think. Uh, we'll go over all of it, a conspiracy I have, and much, much more. We will also talk about Reese Hoskins, who signs with the Milwaukee Brewers, and I absolutely love that. Uh, it, it, there had to be more sports. We had to have more things to talk about. So that will be today's show. Uh, before we get going, make sure you're following us along on X slash Twitter. You will see the reaction right away, the truncated uh, reaction, if you will. Uh, that's Tapping the Keg, Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram as well as TikTok, where those are where those are also posted. The Rivers one has not gone up yet. Uh, basically, I am waiting for confirmation on that one. Uh, so just doing my big J journalist uh, duties uh, with that. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast, Tapping the Keg on, uh, Tapping the Keg Sports, excuse me, on Apple, on Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. We usually do four days a week, but when news breaks and things that are need to be talked about, we will get on the mic for you unless unforeseen circumstances. Like I'm out of the country, like I'm in two weeks, like that. That there will be podcasts. I've really decided what I'm going to do. Uh, that time is slowly approaching. I got to work on that. Uh, which ideas are welcomed uh, for those couple weeks. But yeah, uh, we will still have a couple shows. Uh, just not necessarily uh, anything that's going to be going on during that time. And if something does break. I don't know. We'll just have, you'll have to get it from somewhere else, and we'll have a big, you know, sort of Monday show where we talk about everything. You know, the trip. We talk about you know what went on during the two weeks I missed and all this other stuff. But that'll be the only time where I'm not there for you to give you that sort of breaking news. So yes, let's talk about the Adrian Griffin firing. Let's talk about potentially Doc Rivers coming in here, and then we'll talk about Reese Hoskins. Okay, sounds good. Let's go. Adrian Griffin is no longer the Milwaukee Bucks head coach. It was stunning. I was making lunch, uh, getting ready to, right before my meeting of my next uh, next meeting for the day job, and Adrian Griffin gets fired. And I say, oh shit. And I immediately go to my phone and do, do the instant reaction and we're off and we're off and running. And everybody is saying, holy shit, oh my God. Like, you know, you just see that sort of Twitter avalanche, if you will, of people just reacting in the same way because I don't think anybody saw this as a possibility. The Bucs had just won two straight against the Detroit Pistons. Now, granted, the Bucs had not looked the best and they looked a little disengaged, but they still got the wins and they had a big stretch coming up here facing Cleveland in back-to-back games. Cleveland has one of the best net ratings of the last 10 games, then playing a pretty good Pelicans team who just dominated a Jazz team that's been playing well uh, tonight. So it, like, it was a decent stretch, and then it went out west. So this was going to be a big stretch for the Bucs before the trade deadline and really make decisions on you know what the Bucs might be able to do. And the Milwaukee Bucks had finally had enough with Adrian Griffin. Reports came out that the front office was monitoring practice, sitting on the sidelines the last two weeks, and they basically had seen enough, and they had seen the players be disengaged. They saw the players kind of lose faith in Adrian Griffin. I like. I will assume that this was greenlit by Giannis Antetokounmpo and Damian Lillard, and maybe even Chris Middleton for that matter, to said, yeah, get rid of this guy, and let's try something else. And it is 
very unprecedented in terms of the NBA. I know people want to use the David Blatt example, but David Blatt was a coach for a year and a half. So I, I think that holds a little more water. Uh, you see it every now and again in hockey uh, where a coach you know, just doesn't fit and they get rid of him immediately. Uh, you see a lot in club soccer, uh, but you've rarely seen it in the NBA. You also haven't seen it in the NFL besides Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett's really the only one that I can remember recently. And the Bucks are trying to save their season. And the Bucks did pull the trigger of the thing that would save it the quickest. And that is getting rid of Adrian Griffin. They realized that they were at a point of no return. And I don't know when exactly we can pinpoint the Bucks sort of quitting and giving up on Adrian Griffin, but it occurred, you know, and it, it's, you know, it, it's what it is. And it's kind of where we are at right now with the Milwaukee Bucks. And they, they need to kind of pick up the pieces of that. But to go back to Griffin and to go back to sort of just where it all went wrong. Adrian Griffin came in, tried to establish this defense that was blitz heavy, that was trying to force turnovers, that was entirely different than what the Bucs had done, even though the Bucs had one of the best defenses in basketball. Now, they lost Drew Holiday for Dame Lillard, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but they still had a pretty damn good defense. Brooke Lopez, from some people, you felt like he was defensive player of the year last year. And with Brooke Lopez out uh, two years ago with a back injury, you saw just what impact that had defensively. The Bucs were kind of middle of the road, and then they were absolutely so much better with Brooke Lopez. They were number two, I believe, last year overall. And you could argue that maybe the NBA is changing to more offensive focus. The Nuggets won with a pretty similar defensive rating as the Milwaukee Bucks. But was, as was pointed out by Archon14, who I'd call Ryan. I don't know if his name's actually Ryan. He just like, what are names? Well, what else would you be? I guess it could be Rob. I guess it could be Rick. Um, but I, I bet his name's Ryan. Uh, like all millennials are named Ryan. Anyways, he points out that like the Bucks were getting really lucky on a lot of their threes and a lot of open threes. Like if they basically like the league have team shot the league average against the Bucks, the defensive rating would be 27th in the league. Malika Andrews pointed out on Adrian Wojnarowski's pod today that the Bucks had their worst stretch defensive rating wise of the of the last 11 game games of franchise history. Now the Bucks have been bad. I mean, remember there have been some dark Bucks years. And this is the worst the defense has ever been. The Bucs were completely checked out. And Griffin did not do himself any favors. Griffin did not try to work with these guys early on. He gets rid of Terry Stotts at the beginning of the year. And there were people that saw that as a massive red flag. I think some of us believe that Terry Stotts was sort of burnt out. And that Terry Stotts thought he'd have a certain role. And Adrian Griffin kind of stood up to Terry Stotts and said, no, we're not doing this. And you have to think that Griffin and Stotts basically just did not mesh at all. And even though the Bucks had put them together, the Bucks had said, we're hiring Terry Stotts. Like they were adding him to the coaching staff. We're giving him sort of that older coach to be his liaison, his go-to. And Adrian Griffin didn't really want that. And Adrian Griffin did his own defense. 
Adrian Griffin was concerned with Giannis Antetokounmpo and Damian Lillard's usage minutes and why probably we've seen a lot more Bobby Portis and getting Bobby Portis the ball or corner threes with Pat Connaughton. And these guys have become almost unselfish to a point where they have to be because that is what Adrian Griffin has been preaching. And the Bucs are trying to work with him and their professionals and saying, hey, this might get better. But at some point, the rubber hit the road. And one of the things when I talked about the original uh, Archon article about firing Griffin after 10 games, which I still stand by is a bad take. I, just because you were right doesn't mean that it was a well thought out practice. It was 10 games into a season. It, it was a quarter way through the year. It was absolutely bombastic. It was over the top. It was not rooted in a lot of fact. And I understand that at the end of the day, you were right, but there is no, or like, it's just unheard of at this point. And for all that, you know, what went on with Bud and everything else. And I think one of my biggest contentions in that article, there was no solution. And even the one uh, for 41 days, there wasn't any solution. So when I, but when I did rag on that piece, cause I went pretty hard on that. And you would go back and listen, Cassie could laugh at me if you want. I said, there is a possibility that he is like Borgeson, the former Pacer coach who coached a year for Indiana and was an absolute disaster. And the articles about him and how terrible he was as a coach and as a human being. And it was just a complete year from hell for Indiana. And that these nurse assistants have this sort of God complex where they have to do it their way and it, it just doesn't work. Or they try to implement some of the things that Nick Nurse does and it's almost like Bill Belichick Patriots-esque. I'm not calling Nick Nurse like the Patriots coach, but like, look at this now. He's had two assistants, uh, Borchin, who I'm probably butchering his last name, and Griffin, who have flamed out in less than a year and a year. Like that's some Matt Patricia, Romeo Cornell, um, Josh McDaniels type shit from those guys. And so I think there is something to that. And I wondered that out loud, you know, in November, but I said, like, I went back to it's November. It's really early in this NBA season. Well, now it's halfway through the year. It's not getting better. This has been a miserable month of Bucks basketball. Uh, the fact that the Packers basically saved us from the Bucks being the sole focus is an absolute godsend. And the, the cold, harsh reality of turning on the game Monday night and being like, I don't have the Packers to look forward to on Sunday. And this is all I got besides Marquette or Wisconsin, if you're a fan of one of the college teams, that's all you have. And you don't have that Packer luxury anymore. So you're stuck with this team now who's been miserable for multiple weeks, really, that Jazz game, I think, is the one where you kind of point to where they got basically ran out of that gym from the start. Maybe even that Indiana, both the back-to-back -back Indianas. They come back to beat Cleveland, and then they get home, and the Indiana game 
doesn't go their way in a bizarre loss because you thought they'd be hyped up after the game ball situation. It didn't happen. Then they lose on the road to Indiana the following night, give up 142 points. They barely eke out a game in San Antonio where Giannis has to be incredible to win that game and then fall completely flat the next night against Houston and then Utah and they get this four out of five losing streak. Now they would go back to win three more games, but then after they won those games, they checked right back out. It's like they go on the road and it basically is checkout city. And we're like, we're done. So whether that is they're going out and not respecting Griffin, they are basically just sort of taking it half half ass because it's not their fans, they don't give a fuck. Or if it's just they wanted Griffin gone. And that Detroit is, is that damn bad that they couldn't even actually lose against Detroit, which I commend the Bucks for not doing. I appreciate that. Adrian Griffin just wore out his welcome in the fastest way possible. And Adrian Griffin tried to be the guy, even though all Adrian Griffin had to do was observe and make things happen, take the tutelage from an older coach like Terry Stotts, work with him, understand like, all right, the ins and outs, why you're doing this, why you're not doing this implementing Stotts' defense with, or offense with Griffin's defense and trying to figure out different ways around. Instead, Griffin decided to be a dictator. Griffin decided to make his own rules. Adrian Griffin might've worked with, with the Charlotte Hornets. Adrian Griffin might've worked with the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, I, I know like Monty Williams is not a good coach. I didn't, I don't want Monty Williams anywhere near the Bucs. He won't be because he has this huge contract. But I, I do wonder like, would the Pistons be three or four wins better with Adrian Griffin? Like if they, like just kind of, they have a little more of that physical defensive makeup team. Like, would they actually be better? And would they respond to some of the stuff that Adrian Griffin was talking about? They didn't take Adrian Griffin seriously. And the defensive, I think the stats thing, I think the switching the defense, those were things immediately that led people to checking out. And they tried to work with Griff, they tried to get it better, and yet they kept sort of running into a brick wall. And at some point they're like, fuck it, I'm out of answers. And like, that happens with so many people in relationships, right? Whether it's, you know, your significant other or a friend of yours, like, they, there can be those situations where you're like, I've tried everything and nothing's working and I'm out and I'm just, you know what? That's fine. We will, we'll move on. We'll let, you know, we'll just kind of, we, we've done everything we can. And that's kind of what I think happened. And the Bucks quiet quit for the last couple of weeks. They kicked the Celtics ass because I think they wanted to send a statement telling the Celtics like, Hey, we, we're, we can be this good. Like, don't you forget, would they have beat the Warriors had Curry not play? I have no idea. Maybe. Uh, but like they, they they stepped up conveniently against, you know, pre- playoff teams besides Cleveland. Cleveland, Giannis decides not to play. Boom, they get blown out. And is it also convenient that Giannis doesn't play, they get blown out. Dame doesn't play, they get blown out. Like there has to be something kind of to that. So... Griffin just, it, it, it was a mess from the start. Now, I have a few thoughts about the hire. And I, I think there is an initial thought of, well, why did you hire this guy? 
Why did you bring Adrian Griffin in? If this is, if this is the outcome, why was Griffin the head coach? Great question. Uh, a couple things here on this. And this is where I, I kind of dive into uh, conspiracy and sort of put the tinfoil hat on a little bit. First of all, he did, Giannis did not want Nick Nurse. Giannis would have likely left the box if Nick Nurse was the head coach. I think, and I do not have this sourced at all, but I think that the Bucks front office wanted Nick Nurse. I think they liked Nick Nurse. I think they Nick Nurse brought an element to the Bucks that they were missing. And Nick Nurse has been wildly successful so far with the Philadelphia 76ers. Now they've cooled off since their hot start, but it's been a good year for Nick Nurse. And so that's like, well, why wouldn't you hire him? Well, according to Mark Stein, Giannis did everything in his power not to have Nick Nurse as his head coach and did not want Nick Nurse running the ship. Why might that be? Well, Serge Baca played for Nick Nurse. Pascal Siakam, who Giannis is close with through their Africa ties, have played for Nick Nurse. I think Giannis has some other guys. I think OG Ananobi, I think there's a relationship there with NBA Africa as well. Uh, People talk. And Giannis must have heard enough about Nick Nurse that he didn't want any part to do with him. And there, that was way more frosty than I think any of us knew. And do I blame Giannis for yielding his sword? No. Giannis was in the catbird seat. Giannis knew that the Bucks would listen to him because he was able, he needed to sign an extension. And he needed to become really a Buck for life. So they were going to kind of placate to what Giannis wanted to do. And when Giannis bossed them around to say, I want this guy as my head coach, that guy being Adrian Griffin, I don't think it was just Griffin. I think he wanted a former NBA player. The Bucs liked Griffin. They thought Griffin could bring a new element and combined with Giannis' requests plus what they liked, they were like, okay, and probably a little cheaper than the Nick Nurse or Doc Rivers or someone else because they, you know, it's he, he hasn't been an NBA head coach. And so they're trying to thread this needle of a new coach with a young, with an older team. What I think happened is that with Terry Stotts, they was like, okay, we'll get Terry Stotts in. He'll kind of be sort of the Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think that I'm using that Star Wars reference, right? Um, please correct me if I'm not. And he'll kind of just be the guide for, Ter- for Adrian Griffin. Adrian Griffin asks some questions. They can have a really cohesive relationship. And I think the Bucks kind of knew they were going to take a little bit of a step back this year particularly because of Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday at the time, remember, and Brooke Lopez. And they signed Holiday, or I'm sorry, they signed Middleton and they signed Lopez. But the following year, those guys would be expiring contracts and the Bucks would have three first round picks to trade. So they could basically do the reset after a year, let Adrian Griffin get his feet wet. Do you know that when you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, you're probably gonna just win 50 games as our friend Mitch likes to say. Be the three or the four seed, see, see what happened. Hopefully Griffin grows as a coach and then you make your big move in 2025. And that is sort of the next window of Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks. And that's sort of where, where it all transpires. Then Dame Lillard comes in and Dame Lillard comes in and it was unexpected. I have 
all to believe, again, no source whatsoever, that Damian Lillard did, was not expected to be a Milwaukee Buck. And even though, you know, some national people, Uncle Bill, shout out, tough, tough Uncle Bill, listen, uh, so far, Damian Lillard was not a request from Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis Antetokounmpo saying you wanted to do something. John Horace is a motherfucker. He works the phones like nobody's business. I think the, the Damian Lillard thing was talked about for a while. They were trying to get him a superstar, but they had already hired Adrian Griffin. And they realized that that might be a little bit of an issue. And so you do get Dame, but now your team with this blitz-heavy new defense does not really work with Damian Lillard. It works with Drew Holiday. It works with the guys you had. It doesn't work with Damian Lillard as your point of attack defender. And you add to the fact that Damian Lillard's old coach, Terry Stotts, who it's unknown if they had beef with each other, but they had a decent working relationship, now is his assistant coach. And guess what? Damian Lillard is going to talk a lot more with Terry Stotts than probably Adrian Griffin because he knows him. He's very comfortable with him. So he's going to give his opinions on it. And that probably pissed Adrian Griffin off. He's like, well, what the fuck? I thought I was the head coach. I, it's my turn. Kind of the Skip Bayless uh, video, which I, I cringe at all the time. It's Skip Bayless yelling. He's like, it's my turn. When is it going to be my turn? That to me is Adrian Griffin in a nutshell. And I think when he did that with Stotts, I think it immediately turned everybody off because Terry Stotts is a pretty well-respected guy, a pretty nice guy from all accounts, a guy that Damian Lillard knew. Damian Lillard is already going through a divorce. He's, his mental health is probably as low as it's been. The guy expected to be in Miami, which I think would have been an all-time disaster. No one wants to talk about that because no one knows that Damian Lillard is out in these streets. And if that guy was clapping cheeks in South Beach all the time, I'm telling you, he'd have a worse year than he's had this year. I stand by that. It all falls apart. And so this idea that Horst had at the start to kind of do the Pepe Silvia, uh, Kerry Matheson, chalkboard pointing directions. Basically, the Bucks were going to do this soft rebuild this year and not tell anybody. And it was going to be a step back from what we had seen. And they would then reload and retool for the following year. Then Damian Lillard comes out of fucking nowhere, throws that plan to the side. Giannis signs the deal. And Adrian Griffin is entirely out of his fucking element. So that to me is what, what, is, what transpired. That's, what, and that's how we got here. And so it's a bummer to have somebody lose their job after only a half a season, but it was time. They, the Bucks were going are going into a very hard part of their schedule. I shudder to think what a half-ass, hapless Bucks team would do with the schedule that's on deck. We mentioned Cleveland, the two Cleveland games in New Orleans, then. Denver on the road, Damian going home to Portland on Wednesday night, then at Dallas, at Utah, which is a very tough place to play, and then at Phoenix before coming home to play Minnesota and Charlotte, and then Denver, and then Miami. 
Like, that is a very, very tough schedule. And with Adrian Griffin at the helm, there is a good chance the Bucks would have careened off the Eastern Conference race. And because it's tight, because you have two games against the Cavs, and if the Cavs beat you in both those games, they have the tiebreaker against you. And now you've now you have two tiebreakers against you, but with Indiana and Cleveland, the Bucks had to pull the trigger. They had to make the move now. Now, will we see a re-energized Bucks team tonight? Yes. I I think I, I don't know. I I'm sure they have the line out. I would be all I'm all over the Bucks tonight. I think you you have to be all over the Bucks tonight. Um, even though the Cavs are playing great, I don't think it. Bucks are six and a half. That's so high for how Cle- how well Cleveland's been playing. But they fucking know. They, that is a new coach bounce. It actually started at eight. That's crazy. Uh, for as good as Cleveland is, is somebody not playing? No, that's wild. But anyways, I I just like. I think the way the Bucks, you know, they, they're going to play awesome tonight. And everyone's, we're going to talk about it on tomorrow's show, but it's just going to be this like revelation. Like, holy shit, this team exists. So now what about the Doc Rivers portion of this? Again, glad you asked. Doc Rivers is not yet the Bucks coach. Uh, CNN has reported that Doc Rivers is in fact the head coach, um, but that has not been cleared by anybody. We have not seen that from Woj. We have not seen that from Shams. Um, it's there's nothing really going on. Um, you know, Woj Woj kind of gave like, "Hey, we're we're kind of here, um, but we're not," and so it's. It, there, there isn't a lot that's sort of like finished. It's not necessarily done at the moment. That said, it seems like we're getting there. It seems like we are getting to the point where Doc is going to be the head coach. If you remember and you listen back to our April pods when Bud got fired, Mitch and I were banging the drum to not have Doc Rivers that we did not want Doc Rivers, that we said anybody but Doc Rivers. Those are in the in the, the library. Um, I guess here's the thing. Doc Rivers is not would not be my first choice. The group of guys is very limited. Um, Doc Rivers has a chance for redemption. Uh, I think redemption is underrated in sports. I think it can be overrated too. But Doc Rivers knows that a team that will be in his way is Philadelphia, a team that left him kind of for dead when really it was a lot of James Harden and the issues that Harden had and the the group of guys that were around him and that Doc can kind of have that. He also, you know, the Celtics didn't end perfectly for him. He really could go on his own redemption tour, beating the Sixers, the Celtics, and the Clippers in the finals. That is on the table potentially for Doc Rivers and he can get his second title. I don't know if Doc, how much Doc wants to coach. Um, I think that it could be a short-term thing. I think the Bucks could see it as a two, potentially three-year deal. I, I don't imagine that Rivers is gonna wanna be there for the five years that Monty Williams got. I, I, that to me would be ludicrous, but I'm sure 
Doc Rivers is mentioning that Monty Williams contract and says, I'm a better coach than Monty Williams. Like, I, I deserve to be paid like that. And I think Jimmy Haslam has money, but I think they also are telling Doc, like, hey, look, we're paying three coaches right now. Like, we can talk about bonuses. We can talk about other things, but we kind of need you to work with us. So it's, do you want to coach Giannis and Dame or not? And I think that that is what's happening. And now you have reported that he has taken the job. Um, there are other people who have said, no, it's, it's, not, it's not there just yet. But I, I think they're just haggling a little bit over money. I think it'll get done. I think the Bucks also, the optics of it, I think they are trying to keep it in as much as possible. John Horace is meeting with the media at, I believe, 5.15 tomorrow, 5.15 or 4.15 tomorrow. I think they would probably like to have Horse do that, say we're, we're still looking for a coach, and then probably that Thursday, hire Doc Rivers. To me, that would be the timeline. That would make sense. And then from there, Doc would probably go on the West Coast trip with them. And Doc would start the West Coast trip, which is in Denver. Uh, I mean, a hell of a way to start, right? But Doc Rivers being out in LA, it makes a ton of sense for him to just start coaching, you know, in Denver. And then basically him learning on the fly, him learning what the Bucks have been doing, trying to fix that, trying to, you know, and it has, you know, basically, what, four days to kind of get his shit together before, you know, Denver. And there won't be a lot of time. I think you know, I saw someone say the Bucks should skip the All-Star break just to do a training camp. I don't hate that. The NBA hates that. I'll tell you that right now, especially if Lillard's a starter too with Antetokounmpo. Um, there will be a lot of outrage if the Bucs are like, now nah, we're going to skip All-Star to basically work on our team, um, which I think there would be some in the world that'd be like, whoa, what a selfless act by the Milwaukee Bucks. But I, I, yeah, it's going to be a challenge for anybody. Um, but I think Doc Rivers will not necessarily be a figurehead. I think he will try to unwind some of the things that Adrian Griffin did he will try to enhance the Giannis and Dame pick and rolls. He was very analytical. If you listen back to his last uh, podcast he did with Bill Simmons about the Bucks and what they should be doing, what they Giannis should be doing less of, I, I think that Doc is a good fit for him, for the Bucks, and for what they need right now. They need a guy that is a voice. They need a guy that will pull Bobby Portis when he decides to be a black hole. They need a guy that's going to, you know, take away from Conton's minutes, but add to Andre Jackson Jr.'s. Now, I believe he's not entirely that fond of rookies, but maybe what he's seen can enhance that. I, I think Doc will be just fine. I don't think that it would be my number one choice, but I think that anybody is better than Griffin. I think that it, it's clear to me they need a guy who can not necessarily be a police officer, but can kind of start wrangling them in a little bit more and be a more authoritative voice in there. Someone that they respect and that they take seriously. They're not going to run over Doc Rivers. That's just not going to happen. And I think that that will help. I think that will make a difference into what the Bucks are. And I think the Bucks will succeed. And I know everyone will point to Doc's playoff failures and the collapses that he's had. Um, 
I, it's fair. It, it, it is. I mean, there are people who compare Mike Boonholzer. I think I did back in the day uh, when we were first talking about this. I guess, I guess the one thing I will sort of say on that, he had Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. Uh, those two guys have not made a finals without Doc Rivers. Um, they are still, or well, if I, Paul did, he didn't win one, right? So he, he has one under his belt. Griffin, I, I think he was on that Celtics team that went to the finals as well, but he was a bench player. He was not a star player at that point. Um, you have James Harden has not had a finals finals appearance. Joel Embiid has not had a finals appearance, hasn't had a, a conference finals appearance. What if Doc Rivers just had losers? What if these guys all just kind of stunk in terms of the playoffs and not necessarily the big moments? When he got to the finals, he had KG and he had Paul Pierce. He had dogs. Giannis's dog, I think Dame can find that dog back in him. And that to me maybe works better for Doc Rivers. Maybe having those sort of coaches on the floor where he doesn't have to hand help. And well, Chris Paul, I guess, would be that example. So maybe that's a bad example. But like, basically what I'm trying to spin zone everybody in is that this might actually be the perfect team for Doc Rivers and that this actually is the combination of guys that works for him versus what he dealt with in Philadelphia. That's all I'm saying. So we'll, we'll have to see if Doc's the head coach. Um, but what a absolutely crazy day uh, in in the Bucks world. And I refreshed Twitter just to be sure before uh, we moved to Reese Hoskins. And yeah, we're still at a stalemate. So you have to stay tuned for tomorrow. Reese Hoskins is a Milwaukee Brewer. Uh, I was I was just going to talk about Griffin and Doc and get out of here. I will. It was firstly, the first part of this podcast was just Adrian Griffin. I was just going to do Adrian Griffin's fire get out of here probably 20 to 30 minutes. Then they have the news on Doc. So that now we got to talk about that. And then the Brewers come from the clouds at 10 o'clock tonight and are like, oh yeah, we gave Reese Hoskins two years, $34 million. And it there is an opt out after year one. So if Reese Hoskins is awesome uh, next year, he could get out of his contract and go sign for a big deal. And I, I wouldn't blame him. But the Brewers have Reese Hoskins this year. And this is an absolutely slam dunk home run move by the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, they needed first base help. At that point, it was just Jake Bowers, a guy that they had traded for, um, who had been, you know, I, I don't know if I'd go as far as call Jake Bowers a journeyman, a failed top 100 prospect, a guy that kind of has a Roddy Telez uh, sniff to him, if you will. Uh, but they needed that established first baseman and they got it with Hoskins. And Hoskins is coming off an ACL tear, yes, fair, but it's been a over a year. So this isn't like Reese Hoskins coming off twelve uh, nine month ACL tear. And might he be a little slower? Yes. Do is the power still there? Probably. And will he be able to hit a bunch of long balls in American family field? Absolutely. The guy is an absolute masher. He completely kills baseballs. And he just has such a wide frame. 6'4", 260, I believe he checks in at. Hoskins is honestly the biggest like imposing brewer 
from the right side I can remember since Trishy Sexton. Like that to me is is the last one I can kind of like Aguilar was a big, but he was kind of short and he was he was fat. All right, let's just let's call it what it is. It, like Reese Hoskins is a fucking tank. When the last time the Brewers kind of had something like that in the middle of their order, they have a pure power hitter in the middle of their order, and all of a sudden it's like here we go again. And then Bob Nightingale also adds on, the Brewers have no intention of trading Corbin Burns. And remember, the Brewers got out of arbitration with Corbin Burns, which we, I don't think we touched on. I I think, I can't remember if I was doing a show with Mitch or I'd off that night, but like that was a sneaky, like underrated storyline of of the offseason. And the Brewers have really actually owned this offseason so far. Uh, This from... Dominic Centrento, uh, who I always butcher, Sorrento, I always butcher his last name. I apologize, Dom. Secured funding for the new ballpark, extended the lease for 250, extended Jackson Trio, opened a brand new facility in the DR, avoided arbitration with all their eligible players, and now signed Reese Hoskins. Mark and Matt take a bow. And then he said, yes, uh, I know council's gone. So it's like, they had a great fucking year. They didn't deal with the arbitration drama. They looked at that. Their PR marketing teams told them, hey, don't go to don't go to arbitration. Our, that's what turned so many fans off last year. Don't go to arbitration. You still have fans who think you're cheap, but if you make one or two signings, and I don't know if the Brewers are done. Uh, we can talk about that here in a second. Like, everyone's going to be back in. And now you look at it, and this is a combination of young and old. And we talked about this as we've we've floated around offseason stuff with the Brewers. If they have the combination of that, they are going to go for it. Why not? The NL was won by a team with 83 wins last year. I know the Los Angeles Dodgers look like an absolute juggernaut with Otani. They keep signing guys. They added James Paxton yesterday. Uh, who else did they add? They added something. Well, they had the uh, Yadamoto, the other pitcher. Like, they're the evil empire, okay? It's possible that they win fucking 110 games. They beat everybody. They go to the World Series. But it's sports. Anything can fucking happen. Just because we think something's going to happen doesn't mean that it's going to. So why not go for it? You have the talent. I think that there is going to be a nobody believes in us factor with the Brewers. I think the Brewers are going to have a massive chip on their shoulder. I think Craig Council going to the Cubs, frankly, awoken a beast. I really do. I I think, I know that that might be overselling it, but I think if Council had went to the Astros, let's just say, I don't think the malice from our us fan base and from even the guys in the clubhouse would be that bad. I think there's a part of Pat Murphy that wants to prove people that he is not just a bench coach. Now, a little different than Adrian Griffin, but I will tell you right now, I'm going to get out in front of this. Let's not do the Pat Murphy thing with Adrian, or let's not do the Adrian Griffin thing with Pat Murphy. Pat Murphy was a college manager for a bunch of years in Notre Dame and Arizona State. Let's give Pat Murphy till June. Baseball is an even longer season. Let's just chill. Okay, let's. I, I can't do this fucking shit again with the Bucks or the Brewers. So, 
Let's just see there, okay? It's going to be different. We all, we all acknowledge that. But they're going for it. The Cardinals have this old-ass rotation. I'm not buying it at all. They, Yeah, they brought back, you know, their their team, but they're, it kind of feels like the Cardinals are doing a little bit of like, oh, hey, we might contend. And then it's like they're bad in June again, and it's like, oh, shit, Ali Marmel, you're gone, and we're going we're gonna to rebuild, and we're just going to call it. And oh well, we tried. Hands up, hands in the air. Like oh good, guess guess this doesn't work out for us. So I, I look at it, um, but I, I I think that the Brewers are really set up well, and it's it it feels a lot better than than yesterday than the days before because they didn't cheap out here, and I think that's really important to note. The Brewers, if they signed Carlos Santana, I would not have been opposed to it. Hell, if they wanted to add Carlos Santana to your bench, I think he's going to get signed by a team who wants him to start. But like, I would be okay with that. It seemed like Carlos Santana was actually going to come to the Brewers. Didn't end up happening. The Brewers made a Grandel-like signing. And I say, I'll mention that in a second here. But the Brewers didn't sort of skirt the edge here. They didn't say, oh, well, Mark Canna can figure out first base. No, they fucking traded his ass to the Tigers. They were like, no, we're, we're going to get an actual first baseman. So for all the hand-wringing about how cheap this team is, like, sit this one out. You can come back whenever the fuck you want. But, like, right now, like, you have to give the Brewers some credit here. They didn't cheap out. They went after one of the biggest bats in terms of the first base position. And they solved potentially their power issue that they lacked last year. They needed more power throughout that order. And with the lineup that has been kind of sketched out already, the Brewers have it. Hoskins is a masher as stated. His stat line, just to Billy Mike it here real quick. In 50 games in 2017, he had 18 home runs. In 20. 18, he had 34 home runs and 96 RBIs. Not that RBIs really matter. And an OPS of 850. He, had, he, he played 160 and he had 29 home runs and an OPS of 819. He got hurt in, well, 2020 was the COVID year. Had 10 home runs in 41 games. Extrapolate that out. I'm not doing it. Uh, 20, 2021, 27 home runs for him a OPS of 864, and then 2022, before the ACL tear, 30 home runs and an OPS of 794. Reese Hoskins is a stud. That has Those stat lines have not consistently shown in the first base area since Prince Fielder. They've, they're the random Rai Telez years, the random Eric Thames years, the random Jesus Aguilar years. But now you got a couple of years with Hoskins. And when I said the Grandal deal, remember, the Brewers came out of the clouds to sign Yasmani Grandal. Uh, was that? 2019. And they gave him a one-year, $19 million deal because it, the market was similar to what this is, where everybody's waiting. Everybody's kind of looking each other in the eye. And now I'm thinking like, well, why not Matt Chapman? What, it, could you convince Matt Chapman to have a similar deal? Maybe a little more money because he's obviously been playing. And if you get Hoskins and Chapman on top of everything else you have, all of a sudden, man, this is a good fucking team. <laughs> like this is a team that can compete with the Dodgers. Maybe not at their level, but they're not David. 
They're like, they're more like, I, I don't have a cop for you. I'm sorry. Uh, it's late. Uh, I, this is a late pod. I haven't done a late pod in a long time. Uh, but like, it, it's exciting. And uh, this was from my guy, Brett, uh, number one council hater, uh, by the way. Like, just a lot of, lot of hate, in, hate in his heart on council. Um, but it's okay. Like, look, man, we all, we all have our, our things. Um, he's, he had the lineup set as Freelich, Contreras, Yelich, Hoskins, Mitchell, Adamas, Tyler Black, Trio, Bryce Trank. Fucking, that's, that is heavenly. That is reasons to kind of get him, uh, get going right away. Like that is be at the ballpark, watch this team play. I, I don't have a ton of PTO this year, I'll be honest. Uh, but like, kind of, kind of need to get to opening day. Like I'm not a huge like opening day guy, but I, I kind of with like the council stuff. Like I, I feel almost like it's it's like my duty to be there, if you will. I'm, I'm looking at their schedule now. When do they play? They play in New York, uh, Easter weekend. So their opening day is on a fucking Tuesday. Why is the game being at three o'clock? We're doing a three o'clock opening day on Tuesday? Is the thought that people would do like a half day? Why Why are we doing three o'clock on Tuesday? Is there, I, I like, I'm trying to think. There's anything going on Tuesday the second that you would be like, oh, we need to schedule it at three ten. Like, what the fuck is that? I'm looking now because I know you also care. Brewers actually are the only opening day uh, team that day, uh, which is weird. Um, but man, that's that is something. There's a bunch of opening days on that Monday, but then yeah, I, I don't know. I have no idea, no idea why, uh, but you know, I guess that'll be a question uh, you guys can ask uh, as we head in or ask somebody else. All right, I did a full pod. You know, that's that's what I give you. Uh, that's where that's where I come in. That's what I, I do for the people. Um, Apple, Spotify, wherever else you get your pods. We'll be back tomorrow, ball night. We have uh, Marquette, we have DePaul, all right, Marquette and DePaul, God, I'm very nervous for that game. They're a 17-point favorite, and I'm fucking terrified. And then also you have the Milwaukee Bucks and the Cleveland Cavaliers. So we'll talk about both of those, see if anything else comes out around Doc Rivers, and we'll be back tomorrow. All right, take care, guys. Bye.